Welcome back to Daf HaShavua. This week we're going to be learning Daf Samach Vav in Mesech Yisivamos, beginning a, uh, a new parak, the parak that's referred to as Almana L'Kohen Gadol. Uh, and as we finished up last week, the parak of Habal Yevimto, we saw quite a few discussions relating to Pru Urvu, quite a few discussions relating to Mishanu and Pnei Darke Shalom, and many of the conversations that we had to, uh, to conclude the uh, the sixth parak of our Masechta. And as we move on to the seventh parak, the parak that's referred to as Almana L'Kohen Gadol, uh, we're going to be referring back to a Mishnah on Daphne and Hamad Beis, where the Mishnah over there discusses who can and can't eat truma as a result of a marriage to a Kohen. So the Mishnah uh, over there and then the Mishnah over here on Daf Samach Vav begin to describe the following case, that when a woman gets married, her property and her belongings remain hers, but her husband acquires certain rights to these particular belongings, to these nechassim, uh, and uh, the way in which the husband is able to obtain um, rights to them uh, occurs in one of two ways that are really the focus of the uh, of the entire daf over here. So there are two different types, as we mentioned. One is referred to as nichsei tzon barzel, uh, and these nichsei tzon barzel are properties which are assessed initially at the beginning of the marriage and are then gone ahead and written into the ksuba. So the husband acquires all of the rights to them, uh, to these items during marriage, and therefore, uh, should there be uh, a culmination of this relationship, should there be a divorce, or should the husband die, these properties or the value of these properties of these nechassim must be returned to the wife at the uh, the assessed value um, at the time of the marriage. So you have a particular item, and that item, uh, when they got married, cost. Uh, X amount of dollars, so that has to be returned to the uh, to the wife based on uh, how much that item cost at the time in which this couple got married. And the uh, the uh, the way in which we look at nichsei tzon barzel is that any increase or decrease in value uh, accrues to him, and for the purposes of our mishnah, uh, they are considered uh, they're considered his. These value these properties these nichsei tzon barzel refer uh, uh, belong in essence. To the husband. The second way a wife brings property into a marriage is called what we refer to as nichsei milug. And these are properties which uh, are not written into the ksuba. They're not assessed and they're not estimated before the couple gets married and they remain uh, in her uh, possession. And the husband has the rights to the, uh, to the, uh, to what we refer to in halacha as the peros of this, uh, as the peros of this, uh, this item, the produce that comes as a result of this item. So should, once again, there be a culmination of this relationship, should there be a divorce or the husband, uh, would chas shalom die? So the property, these nechasim are going to be returned to the wife at the current value, uh, at the time of divorce, not at what they are assessed at initially. They're not nichtzitzon barzel. That word barzel refers to the fact that they're there. They're like uh, copper or metallic. It doesn't uh, increase or decrease uh, throughout the marriage. Whereas the nichtzit milug, this second way uh, in which a wife brings property into the marriage, um, the value accrues not to the husband, but rather to the wife. And for the purposes of our Mishnah, uh, these items are considered to be hers. So, Getting into our Mishnah over here. Our Mishnah presents a case uh, where we have a Kohen Gadol who marries a um, 
a widow or a uh, Kohen Hedyot who goes ahead and marries a, uh, uh, a woman who was recently or who was divorced and she brings into the marriage uh, these Avadim and we're going to refer to these Avadim as Nixay Miluk. And these are not Avadim that were Nixay Tzon Barzel. Once again, the differences that we mentioned earlier between Nixay Milug and Nixay Tzon Barzel. So the Mishnah comes along and tells us that the Avdi Milug are not able to eat truma, where the Avdei Tzon Barzel can. Why? Because they are in effect his possessions. And the Gemara is going to elaborate on this further. So if she brings um, slaves into this marriage that are referred to as Avdei Tzon Barzel, so those um, those uh, those slaves, in essence, belong to the husband, and therefore they're able to reap all of the benefits of being in a relationship that uh, that allows them the opportunity to go ahead and eat truma. Whereas the nixemilug, the avadim that are referred to as nixemilug, are not going uh, are not going to be able to uh, are not going to be able to do that. So the Mishnah does go ahead and does explain that the avdim the avdimilug uh, are possessions, and uh, if they die, so it's her loss, and if they increase in value, it's her gain, as we mentioned. So therefore, even though the husband is required to provide for their needs, again, for the needs of these particular avadim, they may not eat truma because they're considered to be... um, hers and not his possessions. Whereas the Avdei Tzon Barzel uh, are considered to be his and if they die, it's his loss and if they increase in value, it's his gain. So therefore, he's completely liable for them. They are able to eat truma because they're considered to be his possessions. So what comes out of this initial um, presentation of our Mishnah is these Nixay Tzon Barzel, these Avadim that uh, we gave a value to them at the beginning of the marriage. So they are able to eat truma and uh, they are in essence, the property of the Kohen uh, that uh, that this woman is getting married to. So the Gemara goes on to ask several questions about why the wife and the Avadim of a Kohen are able to eat truma at all, being that they're not Kohanim. And the Gemara goes on to uh, prove, based on a Pasuk, where the Pasuk tells us, Ki nefesh kinyan kaspo hu yochabo, that we have this word, this concept of kiyikne nefesh, that when a Kohen goes ahead and he's kona nefesh, that these uh, nefeshos that the Kohen acquires at this point in time, so they are able to go ahead and eat truma. Basically, they they become the belongings, they become the possessions of the Kohen, and anything that belongs to a Kohen can go ahead and then, uh, and, uh, and can eat truma. So the Gemara then proves that when his wife or his servants acquire their own avadim, that they can eat truma as well, based on limud, that when the Kohen's possessions acquire possessions, two different types of kinyanim over here, they can also eat truma. It's actually interesting to note over here that uh, we have a concept uh, in, uh, in, in, in in the halachos of kinyanim, in the halachos of acquiring items, of acquiring people, of acquiring things, that we have a concept of what's referred to as masha kana eved kana rabo. That when uh, an eved buys something, when a slave goes ahead and when a slave uh, purchases something, so that purchase doesn't only belong to the slave, but rather that purchase really belongs, in essence, to the uh, to the rabo, to the master of the uh, of the slave. So how is it possible? Possible over here to entertain the possibility that um, 
that a uh, an Eved can go buy an Eved and uh, what halakha ramifications come as a result of that can even ever take place. So what we have over here is actually a uh, difference of opinion, some sort of a machlokes between Rashi and Tosos. And Rashi in Diramaskil of Avodov Shekana Avodim, so Rashi asks this question and Rashi presents over here a ukimta, uh, a case in which we have a third party that comes along and gives something to the slave on the condition that the master was uh, is going to have no rights to it. So the Eved effectively belongs, uh, this third Eved effectively belongs to Eved number two, uh, or the uh, the Eved of the master, and uh, and the, the, the master has no rights in this uh, Eved of an Eved. That's how Rashi presents. But Tosos quotes the Gemara, and Tosos in Dibar Maschil Avad of Shekano Avadim. So Tosos says that, Based on a Gemara in Kedushin and Davchav Gimel, describing that according to Rabbi Meir, the case of Rashi would never even work with a third party who gives something to the Eved uh, on the condition it doesn't belong to the master. That can't ever happen, according to Rabbi Meir. But there can still be a case like the case that we have over here. And the case that Tosis presents is a uh, is a scenario where we have a concept of uh, a master that goes ahead and he's mafgir his Ed, his Eved. He makes his Eved... Um, Hefker, and what basically happens when he makes his Evid Hefker is uh, is as follows. So what happens is, is the Evid can still eat Truma, but the Evid can go ahead and can buy his own things and can uh, can 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 own his own belongings. So the owner has what we refer to as a Kenyan Isser, not a Kenyan Mamon, and therefore the Evid can go ahead and the Evid can go and buy his own Avadim, and that's how potentially, according to Tosos, we would get into this conversation. So we have a Machlokas here between Rashi and Tosos, why we do not run into the problem over here of Masha Kana Evid, Kana Rabo. So the Gemara then goes on and the Gemara asks, why are the Avdi Milug of an Almana, a Kohen not going to be allowed to eat truma. And the Gemara gives three suggestions to this question, all having to do uh, with this Isser being some sort of uh, some sort of gezerah. So we have all of these gezeros over here, and uh, again, we want to protect the sanctity of truma, and we don't want people eating truma that shouldn't be uh, that shouldn't be involved in truma. When we have this conversation, what we're about to get into, just in terms of um, how things are written into the Ksuba nowadays and uh, throughout Jewish history. So it happens to be that a few hundred years ago, that when ksubas were written, if one were to look at ksubas from a few hundred years ago, so they would put into the ksuba every item that a woman brings into marriage. So if a woman brought into marriage, uh, whatever it was, so that item would then go ahead and appear in the ksuba uh, and would become either nichseit son barzel or nichseit milug, depending on whether it appears in the ksuba, its value appears in the ksuba. But nowadays we don't do this, and we have a uh, set amount of money that uh, that we put into the ksuba. And regardless of the household income, and regardless of where the uh, where the bride is coming from, where the kala is coming from, we have a set amount in our uh, standard ksuba that we use. So the gemara then goes on, and the gemara uh, presents a case where a woman brings into the marriage these nichseit. Barzel, uh, which were assessed and ran into the ksuba. And now at the time of divorce, she says she wants the actual belongings. And he says that he doesn't want to give back the actual belongings, but he'll give you the value of the belongings. So the question the Gemara asks is, who gets to keep the original belongings? So for instance, we have a case over here where let's say 
uh, a woman brings into marriage a uh, some sort of family heirloom, something that she uh, inherited, maybe from her uh, from a parent, from a grandparent, from a great grandparent, a dining room table, or a piece of furniture, or a uh, a piece of jewelry, and she brings that item uh, into marriage, and that item. For the time being, that thus husband and wife are married, so that item belongs uh, obviously to both of them. They decide that uh, that they're going to be getting divorced, and the question is that is presented over here on the Gemara is what would happen in a case where the husband says, "There's a dining room table that's this uh, that's this heirloom table. It fits beautifully with my house, and it matches the walls, and uh, it uh, it has all of these things that I want in my dining room table. And I don't think I'm ever going to find another one. So I'll give you the thirty thousand dollars that this dining room table costs." and uh, I'm going to keep the table. So the wife says, no, I want the table. So what would happen in such a, uh, what would happen in such a scenario? So the Gemara presents over here what we have a machlokes between Rabbi Yehuda and Rav Ami, where Rabbi Yehuda, come, where Rabbi Yehuda comes along and says that she, uh, that she gets to keep the item, and uh, even though the cash value that she's going to be getting in place uh, of the item is going to be equal to the item, so she gets to decide what she wants. Whereas Ravami comes along and says that he gets to keep uh, the uh, the item since he took full responsibility for the nichseitz on barzel as they entered into marriage. So the servants or whatever uh, comes as a result of nichseitz on barzel. Um, is able to eat truma, which means that all of these items become full-fledged property of the husband. So therefore, he retains ownership over the possessions, and he uh, gets to pay their value. Should that table go up in value, or should that table go down in value, throughout the marriage, he would be obligated to go ahead, and he would be obligated to either lose money or make money, depending on what happens uh, with that uh, with that item. And therefore, says Ravami, he gets to keep it. He gets to keep that item. He can give her the money. He can give her the $30,000 and uh, he gets to keep that dining room table that's in his possession and uh, ultimately it's his. So the Gemara brings Brysos to support both Rabbi Yehuda and Ravami but ultimately the Gemara concludes that we hold like Rabbi Yehuda that she gets the actual belongings because this is something that uh, was meaningful to her. The Gemara uses a... Um, the Gemara uses a beautiful uh, language where the Gemara describes the fact that Mishum Shevach Beis Aviha Dida Have, that uh, this represents the house that she came from. This represents uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the background and some of her family history and there's sentimental value to this item that she has uh, in this relationship. There's no sentimental value to the amount of cash that she's going to get. So as a result of this concept of Shevach uh, Beis Aviha that uh, that the Gemara presents on Samachvavamid Beis. So Rav Yehuda uh, concludes that she gets the item. He is not allowed to pay her the the cash equivalent for uh, for that item, and uh, and therefore she does go ahead and she does receive uh, that item uh, that she uh, that she initially brought into the marriage. And the Gemara goes on on Samachvav Amid Beis to describe uh, a few different offshoots of this case. What would happen? Uh, in this uh, in this case of the Nixit Son Barzel, uh, who is going to be which of these two uh, partners are going to be able to uh, to get the item that they bring into marriage, uh, you know, and uh, and what role the husband is going to play in uh, all of the Nixit Son Barzel that the uh, that the woman brings into marriage.
marriage and that should this couple get divorced, that she would then want to go ahead and that she would want to bring out of marriage. So that is the, uh, the duration of and uh, that begins our parak of the seventh parak in uh, with all of these conversations uh, and descriptions of the items that the woman brings into marriage, uh, what role uh, the husband's uh, acceptance of those uh, items plays in, uh, in whether or not the husband or the wife get to keep those items and uh, in whose possession do those items really belong should they, uh, this couple, decide that they are no longer going to be continued to, uh, to be married? That rounds up Daf Samach Vav in Meseches Yevamos.